Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is July 7th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and this week we are one week closer to uh, the start of Phase 3 and also Phase 4. And so that is what this episode is spent on. Uh, Sunday night... Uh, the league and the players association kind of came to a little bit of an agreement. They're going to vote on it this week. Um, the idea is probably they're going to say yes. I wouldn't be surprised if they voted on it before this drops because uh, this is recorded Monday afternoons. Um, but it's very interesting. There's a lot to unpack from it. There's a lot of rules set. We're going to get some more clarity, I think, as the week goes on, uh, which we'll probably discuss on next week's show. But this week, there was a lot to cover uh, in, in when it came to phase three and phase four and then returning. And I had Connor Ryan on at Boston Sports Journal, uh, and we discussed all of that. I wish there was more Bruins-centric news. Uh, we sort of went over what it means for uh, the Bruins, obviously, because this is a Bruins podcast. Ha-ha. Um, but we there's nothing real Bruins-specific to cover. Uh, but the good news is in the coming weeks, as Phase 3 gets going, there will be more news coming out. There will be more, you know, hey, what's the, what are the line combinations going to be? Who should be with who? Who should be dressing? Who should be not even going to the bubble? Uh, that'll be a lot of fun to talk about. And we kind of get on, we get into that at the end of this episode, um, which is fun because that's where the, the fun discussions get into play. And again, that, those will be all future episodes. Um, so that's the hope. The hope is that there's more Bruin stuff to talk about after this week. Um, cause I think starting next week, they're supposed to come back for phase three, July 13th, which will be when the next episode is recorded. Uh, so hopefully we'll have a lot to go off of. Um, next week, hopefully this is the last week of nothing or not nothing, but nothing really Bruins centric. Um, as I said earlier, so that's the hope. Uh, and we'll also get into, you know, future episodes previewing the round robin. We'll preview some play in games. Um, so that'll all be exciting. And, and I'm excited because I feel like you guys are starting to care more about Bruins and sports more, you're starting to get more invested in it, um, which is great, which is what everybody wants. You know, there's not, there's no more fun time, um, than, when everyone's invested in playoff hockey or, or especially Bruins. I mean, last year was so fun. Everybody was just so into it. They were, you know, everybody was just, you know, listening, reading, watching, um, and tweeting along with us. It was, it was really tremendous. And I hope, um, this year is somewhat similar. Obviously I know the circumstances aren't, but, um, hopefully the situation uh, can be at least acted like it might be a little bit similar. Uh, before I get into my conversation with Connor. Uh, there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Sports are slowly making their way back with the UFC, NASCAR, soccer leading the way. 
BetOnline has all the best odds and lines for the upcoming matches uh, this weekend. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day. Live for you to check out. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and all the best props in the biz NAS. Visit betonline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And the best part is they're up on all the hockey stuff. Um, they send me all the NHL bets. I usually tweet them. Um, or I, you know, uh, write something on it. Uh, but I, I get them out there, uh, cause they're very interesting and there's stuff that you can do. Um, and it gets you a little bit more excited for hockey to start, which we're all excited for hockey to start. But so without further ado, here is my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Nothing much, man. What's going on with you? Well, tough morning. We just discussed this for both of Well, for me, but for you, it feels like in the future, we both have laptop issues. My battery and my charger doesn't seem to be working well. You have your own laptop issues, but uh, luckily both of us are here now so we can broadcast exactly. to the world. It's all, that, it's all that matters. Yeah, as long as we're here, this is what you guys are seeing. We're seeing our laptops working well uh, to do these remote podcasts. After these, uh, after we hit end record, then we're going to focus on these actual issues. Uh, but uh, there are bigger issues at hand in the world, especially in the world of hockey. Uh, so Sunday night, uh, the NHL sort of the NHL and the NHL Players Association basically finalized sort of a tentative agreement on phase three and four protocols to open training camps, resume the season um, inside the secure bubbles, which were confirmed last week as Toronto and Edmonton, as we pretty much thought it would be we figured it was gonna be canadian cities i don't know why boston like i get asked this a lot why wasn't boston a host a hub city and i feel like that's because when they announced the hub cities boston this was you know a month and a half ago boston was not in a great place now they are but i feel like they aren't going to go back on their word but it would have been pretty fun having boston as a as a bubble city oh absolutely i mean i i think kind of as you said if you know, the fact that the NHL announced that kind of short list of, of possible venues, you know, a month, two months ago, I think it's what kind of hurt a city like Boston or even New York City. I mean, if you went back to, you know, late March or even mid-April and said, all right, the NHL was considering New York City, you'd be, you know, people would think you're crazy, right? And of course, now they've done a great job of, you know, rebounding and, you know, preventing uh, some of these other outbreaks. But again, to have the NHL kind of say for a month, two months now, all right, you know, looking at Vegas. Vegas was the front runner, it seemed like from, you know, April on, um, you know, any of these other places, you know, Chicago, LA's mentioned. I don't think, you know, they're going to scrap going to Vegas and all of a sudden out of nowhere. It's like, oh, by the way, yeah, Boston's back in it. And like, have like this all set of plans. Because the amount of planning you have to put in for something like this, whether it's, you know, the, the hotels, finding a, a, a space that can serve as a bubble, like, again, Boston, the, the, the metrics in terms of safety and health are great, but and, you know, where are you kind of finding, like, a bubble atmosphere? I mean, this is you're running for the same issues that people are fighting with about, you know, like the 2024 Olympics when, when that was going on, right, of, like, finding where you're putting all these guys. Um, so I think it, just the logistical issues of it would be too much of a hassle, especially if you're talking about such a quick turnaround. Would have been great having, you know, hockey back here because, you know, there's obviously a lot of ranks um, that could hold, you know, extra practices and stuff like that. But I think there's just too much of a hassle. And when you look at the NHL, way they've done this where they kind of uh, didn't announce anything for a while and let everything kind of work out 
it seems like it was a good decision to do because, you know, the NBA is still committing to Orlando and they still seem like they can keep a, a pretty, uh, you know, uh, safe environment down there. But it's still, you don't want to be going down to a place like that where it seems like the cases keep on spiking and spiking. Like just going up to Canada, it seems like it just makes overall the most sense because you're just going to lower that risk of having something like that really derail the months of planning that you've been putting forward for this. Yeah, and the other thing is I feel like in the United States, everyone's kind of going up and down. The, wa- the different waves are hitting at different times. You know, a month and a half ago, you know, Vegas, those places looked okay. Now they're sort of going back on that. And th- this thing changes so fast. You know, I mean, I don't want to jinx anything, but in a month's time, you never know what Boston could look like, especially after, you know, July 4th, where cases are probably going to go back up, uh, just right. like they did sort of after Memorial Day. So, um it's it's literally hour by hour how this thing changes. Uh, but so basically Sunday night, some of the things that were uh, sort of established, uh, each team will be permitted to bring a maximum of 52 individuals inside the secure zone. I believe it's 31 players. Uh, they can have, uh, they have to have, they'll have at least one physician, one security representative, uh, one cu- club compliance officer, and then a social media coordinator. Uh, they, they get a content you, you, you creator. Need, you, need that, you need that content, man. You need that hashtag I mean, especially, content. Especially now, especially when there's going to be like, no one's going to have this, like access, especially like you actually, people I saw like were tweeting like, this is like, I can't believe their brain sound. I'm like, oh no, it makes a lot of sense. Like you need to, you need people to like actually see what's going on. Exactly. Like, do, do you like to see those pictures before games of guys walking in? Yeah. Do you like to see the video behind mm-hmm. the scenes? Like, that's what those, that's what that's all there for. Um, I do wonder though, who, who, um, I do wonder if they bring a photographer. I wonder like if that social media, they're probably going to have to be apt at taking those good pictures. I, I can't imagine the Bruins are going to be uploading, uploading videos and pictures off of like an iPhone 10. Um, if I had to guess, I just, I would think they would have like a little bit better quality. Uh, but never know. I mean, I wonder what's the media situation like i mean are there going to be media members at this i i think there hasn't been clarity on that yet yeah i think there's clarity on it i assume we'll probably get a a, a better picture as to what kind of the parameters are going to be as soon as they officially you know vote on this uh proposed plan and i assume we're probably going to get the whole memo when it comes out with both the return to play protocols and probably the cba extension that they're working on so there's gonna be a lot to pass through um my hunch is you know i don't think I don't think it's going to be like how the NBA has been kind of set up where it seems like reporters, you know, can kind of, if you take a whole bunch of tests and clear a lot of things, you can be in the bubble, but you just can't leave. You know, that's kind of what it seems like the NBA is offering as a, a possible uh, outlet. I don't think the NHL is going to do that. I don't think you're going to like, you know, all right, you're allowed to be in the bubble. You can't leave for like three months, but you can like, you know, talk to the players. I think maybe if you're up in, up in Canada, you can probably maybe, go to the games and watch them from high above, but I don't think you're like allowed in a, a locker room or anything like that. So I think for a lot of us, it's going to be, you know, probably zoom calls and stuff like that and kind of adjusting on the fly, which again, it's not ideal, but again, we're going to have still plenty of stuff to talk about whether it's every practice or every game. I mean, it's still going to be more or less the same thing. It's just, you know, passing through that, that information and you know, how much access you get is going to be a little bit different. Do you think there's any chance they allow reporters at Warrior? Because it would uh, I mean, only, it, it it would only be, be from it, above, right? Yeah, it could, I, I could imagine it being something kind of like how they have it at Fenway right now, where, um, you know, you see a lot of the media there. It's, you know, they're allowed to watch the practice, and which is what it would be, you know, at Warrior, where it's like, you know, see who's on the ice. If it's, if you get into the swing of things with training camp, which is going to be kind of the 
most interesting part of the next couple of weeks is, you know, what, what lines are they rolling out there? Are there any guys from Providence, you know, looking at actual minutes, you know, in a starting lineup situation? I'm sure there's going to be scrimmages. There's going to be a whole lot of stuff to report on, right? So um, I can imagine maybe a, a scenario in which, you know, you're able to watch those. It's just, you know, afterward, it's probably going to be like, again, you see the, the Red Sox reporters, they're, you know, taking the pictures of the field and stuff. But then when it's like media, it's them, at their kind of workstation just on a zoom call. I, I can imagine that's probably what it's going to be like. Cause I don't think we're going to be remotely close to any personnel official coach player until 2021. And who knows when that even is going to be, you know, I don't think it's going to be December, you know, 2020, January, it might be quite a ways away. So, but again, if it's the NHL's, you know, uh, you know, focus is getting these guys, you know, isolated and making sure there's nothing that really derails us. You know, I, I'd be all for it as long as we just have the access still from Zoom or whatnot. Again, it's not ideal, but it's, you know, they're still on, on track for having actual hockey this year. So there's no complaints on my end. Yeah, I mean, I think the Zoom calls are fine. I mean, if you have a Zoom call after practices with three players in, in Cassidy or you have, you know, uh, after games, like, I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, sit them down at a computer and, you know, let them answer questions. Uh, I, I hope that's what they do. And, and by the way, the Brewers have been probably the best team in Boston with media availabilities during this whole time. I mean, they've been really, really, really good um, about giving us, you know, a lot, you know, they, they give, usually they give it at the beginning of the week with all the players and, you know, who's going to be available, what days, and it's worked very well. So hopefully that sort of uh, continues. TSN also says that uh, they, they outline the testing, which is crazy amounts of testing. Um, every person inside the NHL's bubble will be tested for COVID-19 daily via nasal swab. Uh, they'll also be administered temperature checks and symptom screenings. The te- so I have a couple issues with this. Uh, you can make the argument that the, they're getting all the testing and the rest of the Americans aren't. We're not going to sit here and do that. It's already been done multiple times. Um, the temperature checks personally, I'm someone that has not had a temperature, knock on wood, since like mm-hmm. forever. I mean, it's been like, I can't remember yeah. the last time I had a temperature, but I've been obviously extremely sick since, you know, I was a little kid, but I really never get temperatures. I guess I'm never that hot. Even though yeah. I do think I'm hot. I don't, I'm never that hot. Um, and, then sim- and then symptoms, I know, great save by me. And then symptom screenings. Okay. Now <laughs> we talk about how tough hockey players are. And we talk about how, you know, getting inside this bubble is a big thing. You know, you're inside this bubble, you're in it for three months. Maybe this is because I'm being selfish, but do you really think like these players who are, you know, fighting hard for Stanley Cup are going to say, yep, you know, today I had a stuffy nose or, oh, I I cough a little bit. Like, what is the NHL going to do with that? And is there any, are these guys actually going to be honest about their symptoms? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the biggest challenge, especially when it's looking at those two things, especially the symptom checker, which I guess maybe the way the NHL kind of overrides that, because I'm sure, you know, they're looking at that situation in the perfect world, people would be upfront about that. But again, you, you know, how, you know, these guys are and how competitive they are, especially this year where, you know, a team that wouldn't even be in the playoff picture, who knows, can go on a run, right? Like, you, you should never know how these things play out, especially with so much stuff up in the air with the long layoff and what, what have you. But, um, I assume the, their way of kind of countering that is just by having and establishing this set of protocols where the testing is daily. It seems like the expectation they're having is that these guys are going to get these results pretty quickly. So it's not going to be like kind of what you're seeing in the MLB where you're having, you know, these delays based on where these people are in, in the U.S. I assume if it's up in Canada, 
um, and they have these kind of centralized areas where all these people are able to get these tests back quickly. So it's not like you can kind of uh, take a test the next day, you might have a, you know, a stuffy nose and not say anything. And the, the <laughs> tests don't come back and be like, oh, no, you have something going on there. So I assume that's how they're going to counter it. But it's still something you have to be concerned about because I think, you know, the biggest challenge uh, for both the NHL and any pro sport is going to be, you know, probably the month ahead where it's, you know, people are all going to be gathering together, especially players. Um, in practice situations, you're not really in lockdown yet. Like the NBA is going to be going down to Florida pretty soon so they can get that started. But, you know, the NHL, these guys, once phase three starts, um, you know, next week, they're still, you know, going to be able to go home or they're able to go, you know, out and about if they wanted to, right? It's not like they're in a lockdown yet. So the biggest challenge is going to be just getting to phase four and getting those guys accounted for. Because I think once you get to that point, again, you can't, you know, who knows what's going to happen when you get there? Like there's always something that can go wrong um, based on the, the way this year has been going. I think you have to expect that at this point, but I think once you get people in phase four and based on the testing protocols, they've kind of added on uh, with these details that came out yesterday or on Sunday, rather. Um, I, I think like they've done a better job at preventing any of these things because you look at, you know, I think they have like that testing, not only for the players and the staff, but also I think like hotel staff are going to be, tested like a lot more yep. frequently hotel. Like, got, I think got tenders at the hotels like it's a pretty wide-ranging thing like they're they're kind housekeeping but they can yeah they're doing what they can to kind of cover all their bases so um I think yeah the biggest challenge is going to be just getting through this ramp up to phase three through training camp and then getting them up to Canada it's going to be the biggest issue because uh if there's anything that's going to you know, cause probably a, a major outbreak. It's going to be, you know, these guys who are still out to kind of be out and about. I mean, look at what, look at the St. Louis Blues, right? They all, what is it, like four or five of them go to a bar, like a packed bar in St. Louis. Like, what do you expect is going to happen? So that's kind of, I think, the biggest challenge facing them for at least the next couple of weeks. It's funny. I, uh, I, I have a friend who on Snapchat, she posted a story of herself at this, like, huge sandbar in uh, mm-hmm. New Hampshire on the 4th of July. And there's all these boats there's all these people just together. And obviously it's outside, but I'm like, if there's ever been a breeding ground for COVID, I feel like that might be it. Even though it's outside, yeah. it's still like, I don't know if I would do that. I don't, I don't know yeah. about that one chief. Um, but so yeah. Frank Sur Valley pretty much estimates with 24 teams inside the bubble at 52 people per team. It's about 1,248 tests required daily for team personnel only add in all the other levels, it gets upwards of about 2,000 tests per day. That's about 20,000 tests in the first 10 days, and this could be months. So uh, there's going to be a lot of testing, um, and hopefully it spreads out to the rest uh, of the country. The other funny thing about – not funny thing, but interesting thing is uh, about uh, at any time before or during play in the 2014 tournament, the NHL and the NHLPA have the ability to postpone, delay, move, or cancel any games in the event that someone's health is at risk. Um if there's an uncontrolled outbreak, obviously they have to take the necessary precautions. Uh, and then they've also talked about uh, if a player um, basically decides that they're not going to follow these, they can they can kick them out. They can penalize the team. They can fine them. They can you know propose a draft penalty. I mean, <laughs> I you'd have to think like if a player were to leave that bubble, I, I mean, I, the, the consequences are just so grave. I, you know, I wonder if anyone would actually do that. Like, would you sneak out? I, I have no idea. Well, I mean, that's why, you know, when you read that, it's kind of a, makes sense for the NHL to impose such, you know, 
potential consequences with it. Because again, you would think these you know players would, especially once you get to the point of going through training camp and you know get, shaking off all this rust and you know joining that kind of collective buying to you know have a, a good run at the cup. But I'm saying maybe the Bruins aren't uh, motivated because they obviously are getting another shot um, you know at the cup this season. But for any of these other teams that are maybe where on the outside looking in or, you know, we're the sixth seed or something in the Eastern Conference, right? Maybe it's a little bit harder for them to get as motivated. But still, once you go through all this process and jump through all these hoops, once you finally get to, a, you know, a hub city, you'd imagine that you wouldn't run into that issue. But it's good that at least the NHL is adding these extra incentives, I guess, to make sure you don't do anything <laughs> like that. Because, I mean, if, you know, you're going to run into a whole bunch of uh, trouble if, you know, just because you wanted to go out and about. Your, your team gets docked a second round pick or something like that, right? Like, so it's going to one cause the onus on the player not to do something, uh, you know, as reckless as that, but also it means the the team and the staff are going to, you know, do their their damnedest to make sure nothing like that happens. Because of of all ways to lose a pretty significant draft capital is a guy going out and about to hit up a bar, like again. So I, I think the NHL, you know, hit the right level of you know, uh, you know, getting the proper protocols in place to prevent something like that from happening because ideally now they add those extra incentives you would hope that some of that doesn't happen because that's just going to cause a whole bunch of issues you're going to see contact tracing and extra testing and even if a player comes back clean you know you're just causing one more headache in a a series of you know you know a, a pretty serious undertaking the Bruins with Sagan in 2013 would have a tough yeah, time exactly. uh, with Sagan this year I wonder though if if a team, if a guy goes out and goes to a bar in Toronto, let's say, and you're a play-in team, so you're mm-hmm. not in the round robin, but you're in the play-in round, I wonder if they would say, hey, if you guys lose this series, you're not eligible for Lafreniere either. Like, I wonder yeah. if that's a, like, the, the Montreal Canadiens are down 2-0 in their series, uh, and they're, you know, one game away from being sent home and having a shot at Lafreniere and, and, and Carey Price decides to go out and go to a bar, and they're like, you know what? You're not getting Lafreniere anymore. That, that's it. It's going to be it's gonna be every playing team except for the Pittsburgh Penguins, who like, are going to win their playing round, but because everyone else had one like fourth liner go out for a beer, it's going to be like, you know what? We're just going to give it to Pittsburgh anyway. Like, congrats, guys. <laughs> you guys finally have a break. Follow your way. There's some and there's some deep rooted NHL deep state conspiracy th- yeah. theory where like they they goad out these fourth line players out to bars and they're like oh you yeah. violated the problem except for the Pittsburgh yeah. Penguins and now yeah. the Penguins we just have to give Lafreniere to the Penguins. Good, good to see Pittsburgh finally catch a break. I know they haven't caught a break in a long time, um, so yeah. it's good to see them catch one. So another part of this is players opting out, uh, which they have until today Monday. They have until is like five p.m. To announce if, 5 PM, if, I believe, yeah. if they're not going to play. Um, I don't foresee any players doing it. Obviously, the MLB guys are dropping like flies. David Price, mm-hmm. Nick Markakis, a uh, bunch of guys are kind of saying they don't want to uh, come back and play. The NHL, though, uh, there was an interesting report from this guy, Eric Engels, who's with Sportsnet last week, uh, saying over, he tweeted, over the last two days, I've been speaking with players from around the NHL who are quite concerned about a return to play. I'm going to paraphrase some of those sentences over a few tweets here. Uh, obviously the guys are anonymous. Uh, one player said a majority of the players do not want to return this summer, estimated 75%, though they're concerned with financial pitfalls in the decision. They're more concerned about risking contracting the virus or serious injury before cramming in the 2021 season. Um, another player said that calls with the NHLPA have been a joke and that they are uh, have only revolved around the financial situation. That sounds like my uh, remote classes. Those were, you know, touted to be these big things. Those are also a joke. 
Um, another player shared the following opinion after acknowledging that players will likely vote yes to the eventual proposal. Uh, the player texted, everyone's going to play. No one is going to opt out. Playoff bonus will be higher than ever. That's free money if we play. Hockey is a different culture than other sports. No one is opting out. There in lies the thing. Because of the culture of hockey, no one is opting out of this. No one will. I mean, baseball, they will because it's the culture. Basketball, they will because the culture, and they also have the, the Black Lives Matter stuff that they feel that the playing has, has gotten in the way of. The NHL, no one is opting out of this. No one. I, I, like, I, I, unless, unless, I mean, maybe there, and I do also wonder this. If someone does opt out, let's say, you know, a second line defenseman from the Rangers opts out. <laughs> do other players then follow that? Is it kind of like a, a, a chain of, of dominoes where players are like, you know what, if he's opting out, I'm going to opt out too. Or is it, you know, there's, is no one going to opt out? What is this? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's, as you say, kind of the, the culture of it that I'd be surprised if you see a, a big amount of, of players opt out of it. Um, and even, you know, one player did. I don't know if that would cause a chain reaction more or so. You'd probably just get the usual people on Twitter spouting off how that guy's not a, a real hockey player because, you know, God forbid he, you know, values, you know, his health and the health of his family and a He's not number tough. of other factors. A number of other factors that are well justified as to why these guys wouldn't want to play. That you know, I don't know why you're, you know, hopping against a few of these guys like you know David Price and kind of do what he wants, right? Like he's keeping you know his health, his the health of his family as his priority. Like, but I think if you look at from the realm of you know hockey and how that's all perceived, I'd be again, I'd be pretty surprised if they have a large number of guys, um, you know, opt out. And especially I think maybe from the Bruins' perspective. The fact of, you know, how motivated this crew was already going into this year, now having a chance to kind of see that through. I'd be surprised if any of those guys um, ultimately opt out. But, uh, again, you never know. I mean, it seems like every day there's a new story, right? I mean, it seemed like, uh, you know, look at the Atlanta Braves in baseball, for example, right? I think, you know, they, they had a few guys opt out, but then Freddie Freeman gets sick and, you know, the, what is he, like, you know, 29-year-old pro athlete, like, shouldn't really be kind of, from what people are saying, right, you shouldn't really be, uh, you know, knocked on your ass if, you, if you're a pro athlete getting coronavirus. And Freddie Freeman's saying he's, like, you know, been sick as a dog for like a week now. And then Nick Marquez, you know, leaves because of that. He's like, all right, well, guy like him is as sick as he is. I don't want to catch this. I don't want my family to be exposed to this. So, um, again, from the perspective of the NHL, I'd be surprised if you have a lot of guys deciding to opt out. But, again, that's well within their right because this is a, a pretty – you know, crazy time for everyone involved, obviously. And for some of these guys, even if it's players who, you know, I think they've added a few details about, you know, visiting family and stuff like that, but I don't believe they can see them until I think maybe the conference finals. It's conference and Stanley, and Stanley, Cup, Stanley Cup. So what, about five, six weeks, you know? I mean, dude, there's a lot of players who have, you know, kids who are really young or, you know, what, however their family situation is, you know, it's well within their right to opt out of it. But as you said, I just don't kind of see there being a, a major exodus, you know? So you're telling me a player who is going for their first Stanley Cup is going to go from having no distractions in his hotel room to three kids and his wife yeah. <laughs> the entire time for the yeah. conference and Stanley Cup final. How do you say no to that? The wife is going to want yeah. to come. He, the guy, the, the players will be like, no, nah, actually, I don't think so. I, I kind of want to focus on these games. Uh, but making obviously, the trek, you know, this- making the trek up to beautiful Edmonton. Yeah, what a what a fun family vacation for the summer. You know, it's funny. Um, obviously, we're in tough times right now, and I've said this the whole time. You know, it's hard to sit here and value a Stanley Cup when, like, people's you know, hundred thousand people have died. 
uh, from this. But part of me looks at it from that hockey standpoint and says, you know, if let's say you're on the Blackhawks or you're on the, the Canadians, you're on a team that wasn't supposed to, you know, the Panthers wasn't supposed to actually be in the playoffs. And you know what you say, this isn't worth it for me and my family. You know, chances are we're probably going to be out in the first round anyways. I'm going to sit this one out. Now, as a, as a bystander, I could look at that and say, that's commendable. You know, that's fine. You, obviously you do what you want. That's the beauty of America. You can do what the hell you want. But, you know, if you're on a team like the Bruins or the Stars or the, the, the Golden Knights or the, the Lightning, even the Lightning have had a multitude of issues with COVID, um, it's hard to overlook the fact that this is another shot at the cup. You guys were favorites. And then let's say, you know, a guy like for the Bruins, let's say David Krejci decides to sit it out. You know, obviously it's his choice and that's, and, and he can do what he wants, but do you think that hurts the standing in the room? Do you think that hurts standing among other players where it's like, yeah, he, the guy in some ways abandoned us going for another Stanley cup or for the lightning going for our first Stanley cup. I do wonder if that hurts uh stature in the room or, or kind of a public opinion per se, even though it really doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's probably a, a double-edged sword in that regard, right. In terms of, you know, you don't, you don't really know what goes on in the, in the room and how guys are perceived, you know, it's up to the players to kind of set that, um, you know, how they do things like that. But, you know, for a team like a veteran team where you, you're on the cusp of contending, I'm sure, you know, the obvious is you want everyone all accounted for, and especially guys who are going to be logging a lot of minutes or in a top six role or top four pairing or, or anything like that. You know, the, the focus is having those guys all accounted for, right? But I think, you know, based on the times we're living in now and what's at stake and, what's really valued, you know, I, I can't see, you know, you're obviously not going to have anything be public about, you know, someone being cantankers about a, a teammate stepping out if they're valuing their health or the family's health or anything like that. Um, so I'm sure you won't really hear much of it. And again, it's, it would be disappointing, I'm sure, for a team to, to lose a guy like that. But again, you have to look at the bigger picture, I think. And even for a team that could conceivably, you know, be considered a favorite to, to win the Stanley Cup, you know, this fall, I still think he has to take all these kind of buy-ins with, with a grain of salt in terms of, you know, there's definitely more important things that, you know, people are either focusing on or playing for than just, you know, completing this uh, tournament, which has already seemed like it's still going to be a complete, uh, not, you know, uh, you can't really know a what you're going to predict from all this. Right? Yeah, show. exactly. Like, it's still going to be, even if it goes along as planned and you can get it done by October, it's still going to be drastically different from anything we've seen before. So a player not wanting to, you know, give up uh, a couple months, uh, you know, being with their families for it. Like I still think it's well within their right to do something like that. Oh yeah, exactly. I just wonder if it hurts them on the team or hurts, you know, their, you know, the, the, the view. I wonder if there are, you know, hall of fame writers who are like, Oh, this guy sat out for COVID. What, uh, what a pussy. Oh, there, there, there will be, <laughs> of course. There absolutely will be. Um, But it is interesting to see how this all kind of pans out. Uh, it's supposed to, the plan is probably July 13th, right? For, yeah, for phase July, three to start. July, July 13th. And I, I want to say if there's not, if there aren't any uh, delays or something, I think July 26th or 27th is when they'd be heading to their hub cities and then games would be starting um, August 1st. So it's kind of crazy. Like that's not a really extended window to get all your, you know, to get everything in order, right? For a lot of these teams that don't really know where you're, that's less than a month guys, from right, right now. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, you look at some of these teams, you look at from just the Bruins perspective, right? Like, look at their their last game before everything, you know, shut down, that shutout went against the Flyers. You had, 
posted. Jake DeBrusque on the third line with, uh, you know, with Charlie Coyle. You've had Sean Corrali, I think, in the top six, right? With, yep. Uh, you had Andre Kasha with Bergeron and Martian. You had Pasternak with Krejci. Like, it was kind of – it's too bad that that was the last game because it was the first game. You're like, oh, I wonder if they're actually going to really switch things up. And now, you know, I don't know if they have that runway to, you know, test those things out again to see if those guys might be better off there where that's, you know – the one everyone everyone points to is, you know, putting Pasternak with Krejci and putting insert, you know, right wing here next to Martian and Bergeron because they're probably going to do pretty well because you got those two guys kind of leading the way. Um, I don't know if you're going to have that opportunity to do that now where I think the priority is just going to be getting guys back in shape, getting the rust off, kind of, you know, trusting what works well. And, you know, Cassidy, when he said, you know, Every year, he always gets the same questions about, you know, switching up that top line. And it only comes down to, like, we know what that line can bring, which had to argue with that, right? So, it's, you're not going to – I don't know if you're going to see these, like, kind of crazy experiments, like, four days into into camp. Like, I don't think we're going to go to a practice where we're able to. And, you know, Jack Nika's next to Martian and Bergeron. Like, oh, my – like, I don't, I don't know if you're going to see anything like that because I just don't have the time to – Exactly. Work, especially in a game situation. Like, you're going to roll out you know, a line like that against like Tampa Bay and a round robin when it's actually a legitimate, quite a, quite a lot to play for in those games. So it's going to be like a, you know, I would say race to the finish, but it's really a race to the start to get, just to get ready and primed for, you know, what this cup run is going to be. So it's going to be crazy, fascinating, but kind of any adjective you want to put with it. it I mean, it's going to be wild to see how all this kind of comes together in the next couple of weeks. I do wonder how much, and they really haven't made this clear yet, when it comes to reseeding those top four, I do wonder how much they take into account the regular season because I feel like that should be how it goes. Also, the other thing, and you hit on this, and I think this is something we'll hit on in a future episode. We'll kind of preview it here. Um, but, I mean, Cassidy has to be pretty conservative with his lines to start. I mean, as you said. Um, and, and the other thing is he's very usually very fickle with his lines. He's, he likes to change them in-game a ton. I do wonder if that happens this year again because um, mm-hmm. it's hard to do that. I mean, you know, is he in the first game, he can't be frustrated when Marshawn, Bergeron, and Postrock maybe aren't clicking like they were before if it's one game in or, or you know, Krejci, Kasha, and DeBrusque, if he's out back up there, if Kasha's there, I mean, so many questions, but mm-hmm. you have to yeah. think he's going to start conservative and you have to think, you know, if that line isn't working, the third line, the fourth line isn't working, he can't just switch it immediately. You know, you have to give them time to get uh, back to – back to sort of up to speed. Um, but it is so funny to think uh, that there's really no time to, to do any of this. It's just throw everybody back in. I feel like the lines that are going to come out are the ones that we all expect, you know? Right. Um, and I wouldn't be, you know, I can't see him doing this crazy move where Corrales in the top six or, you know, uh, Stadnika's in the lineup. Um, Cause mm-hmm. I, you know, it comes down to whether or not these guys can get back into shape, uh, which I think right. is going to be a, uh, a huge thing, but those are all things we'll hit on in future episodes. Again, all about hashtag conserving the bullets. Hashtag content, exactly. hashtag conserving the ammo for uh, for later in the month. But Connor, before I let you go, is there anything you're working on at BSJ that people should go look for? Yeah, we're uh, you know we're in kind of that, that waiting period again before training camp starts. So we'll obviously have kind of all the breakdowns once these, you know, the plans for the, especially the CBA when that comes out where they're talking about, you know, salary cap and all these other things that can impact teams not only next year, but looking like for the next couple of years. We're going to be Doing a few deep dives on that, we have a few things that are kind of ongoing projects. Like last week, I did a, a ranking of all the Bruins free agent signings uh, since the, the post-lockout era from 04 to 05. Uh, we'll probably do one starting this, this week about 
probably ranking trades from that post lockout era to now. So Ooh. a couple of good ones, uh, quite a few bad ones. So, you know, maybe a few in between, but we'll probably uh, starting that this week too. So plenty of stuff uh, leading up to what hopefully should be a, a pretty frantic and interesting uh, training camp. So follow us, uh, subscribe at bostonsportsjournal.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan underscore 93. Speaking of trades, July 4th, seven-year anniversary of the Sagan trade. Nice. Uh, which, by the way, say, people forget Sagan and Erickson have a big thing in common. They both led the Bruins in scoring for one year. People forget that. Yep. People forget Louis Erickson led the 2015-16 Bruins in scoring. What do you have, like 61 points, I think? It was, it, it was 60, 60, 61 points. It was embarrassingly in, low. Cashed, cashed in with uh, with Vancouver, and that ended up working. That whole 2016 free agency fr- like, frenzy was just like an absolute disaster. Oh, what was it? It was Bacchus. There was Erickson. Um, Lucic. Lucic. Was there Tyler? Was Tyler Myers that year too? That, or that was later? Um it was another year, but there was a few other guys. But those are obviously the, the headliners, right? Of, headliners. They kind of didn't pan out very well, but yeah, that was ugly for all teams. And Bruins, you know, I was going to say Bruins, thankfully, uh, you know, didn't take the take a bite out of it. But of course, they got David Backus when, you know, the first report was it was going to be a one-year deal, right? And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, no, it's five. Uh, <laughs> all right, well. We all know how this is going to end, and unfortunately, it's more or less how it played out. It's it's so funny. Uh, ho- the Twitter account, Hockey Images That Preceded Unfortunate Events, uh, uh, Mike Mike Comito tweeted a picture. On this day in 2016, the Oilers signed Milan Lucic to a seven-year, $42 million deal. That's him and Shirelli standing there. And the Hockey Images That Preceded Unfortunate Events just quote tweet with a period. And I was like, yeah, that, that pretty <laughs> much says it all. Um, yeah. But, Connor, again, thank you so much for joining uh, and for CLS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You, Bruinsby listeners, have a great rest of your week. Yeah.